You know, um, from the beginning of the Samaritan travels with Jesus in Luke's gospel that we spent so much time in, all the way to his sacrificial, victorious service on the cross, Jesus invited his disciples over and over again to follow him into the true story of the world, into a reality more real than what's often unseen, and what's often unseen becoming plain to them. Jesus invited, proclaimed, and demonstrated the kingdom of God here, now, and with more to come. A salvation story long started, but still unfolding in those who would lose their lives in Jesus, for Jesus, with Jesus, like Jesus, and who would also find their true lives with that same story. This is what Jesus says in Luke chapter 9. And Jesus called, said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever would save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. Listen, the truth which Jesus never tried to get around, though I think much of our religion, at least popular religion, would um, attempt to deny um, this reality, or if not deny it, perhaps pervert it and make the, um, the struggle of what Jesus points out as, um, as the aim rather than simply stating it as it is. But what Jesus, the truth of what Jesus um, says is that discovering that our story is a part of the story in more than a sentimental way, in more than um, a mere moment, momentary way, but seeing it, experiencing it, participating in the kingdom of God in the context of our daily lives, in the lives of our marriages and friendships, in our, uh, with our roommates, with our coworkers, in our vocations, in our callings, in our faith, with our neighbors, amongst allies and even amid enemies. To experience the kingdom of God is truly difficult. It requires significant character and perseverance. Life beyond ourselves, that is life that's full, life that's more than just us, and life that's forever. Life that doesn't end with our ending, but continues in God's continuing. Requires a denial of self for the sake of others. A willful commitment to losing what feels like us at times in the context of relationships with others. This is Luke chapter nine, same verses we just read, but a little different translation, and see if you can hear the truth that Jesus is trying to make clear to us. That Jesus told them what they could expect for themselves. These disciples, these followers of him, these ones who gather in spaces like this to listen to him. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you, the true you? If any of you is embarrassed with me in the way that I'm leading you, if you get uncomfortable with it, Know that the Son of Man will be far more embarrassed with you when he arrives in all of his splendor and company with the Father and holy angels. This isn't, you realize, pie in the sky by and by. Some who have taken their stand right here are going to see it happen. See with their own eyes the kingdom of God. Listen, in no small way, um, um, 
I think Kyler has accepted the invitation of Jesus and willfully entered into the long obedience in the same direction, losing himself in the story, unfolding in and through him for the sake of others, only to find in the midst of this submission, this commitment to the call to follow Jesus, this commitment to dying to self for the sake of others, this willingness to lose himself in Jesus as he found himself, who he is, whose he is, and what he's called to. Listen, Kyler and I met uh, almost 10 years ago for the first time at White Rock Coffee. Um, sorry, I didn't know Cultivar at the time. We would have, we would have gone there. Um, but no, seriously, we met at Cultivar Coffee, and, and in that meeting um, nearly 10 years ago, um, Kyler cast a vision for who he was in Jesus, what he had, um, what he believed Jesus had in store with him, and all those kind of things. In the 10 years since, a lot has changed. Kyler's changed. I've changed. But what hasn't changed is who Kyler is in Jesus. What hasn't changed is who, what Kyler's been called to in Jesus. The details of what Kyler's been called to has changed a little bit. But all those things still ring true. And there's a lot that is filled in in these, these last few years. Um, a lot has happened since that first meeting. Too much to tell in one day. But I think there's time for us to tell a little bit of this story to tell a little bit of how that story has unfolded and how it's unfolding today. And listen, like I think it's appropriate for us as we conclude our time in this space to remember again, like just as Chaz prayed, that the church is much more than this space. It's much more than this place. It's going on outside of it. It really is you and I coming together around Jesus and walking into who we are called to be in Jesus and doing what God has called us to do together, side by side with one another. That's what it really is. I think Kyler's a testimony to it. But I've asked Kyler to come on up and share with us a little bit about the story of Vickery House of Prayer. You guys remind me to get this water before I step down because it's going to be awkward if there's a water cup here whenever we do communion and stuff. Man, um, let me just pray. Father, I just thank you so much for um, all of your goodness, all that you are, and... Um, Lord, I just confess that uh, I forgot that I was going to be speaking today, so I have five minutes to tell a bunch of stories, and I can't even introduce myself in that amount of time, so would you slow my speech down and um, get to the points that you want it to be about, Lord, and um, yeah, just have your way, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to give me a chance to remember all the things that you've done. My heart is so overwhelmed um, by your kindness and your mercies and the uh, just the, the, the sweetness of your, um, and how precious it is uh, when we reflect on um, all the ways that you've sown our lives uh, into the tapestry of your kingdom over time uh, through others, um, with others, amongst others, for others. And um, thank you for the way that you've used Christ City Church to let me uh, be a part of those things. And um, yeah, love you, Jesus. Amen. Um, so, yeah, truthfully, I forgot that I was talking about this. I have no plan, and I'm going to have to do this as quick as possible. So, uh, first things first, man, just glory to God. Um, I, there, we're, we're doing a house of prayer in Vickery Meadow, which is a neighborhood where the government relo relocates refugees in northeast Dallas. And um, 10 years ago, I was just coming, uh, 2013, January 2013, I was just coming back from Nepal um, where I had planned on being indefinitely and uh, was coming back to go to s seminary 
connected with Jeremy. Um, I appreciate what, appreciate what he said about how our, our, my plans have changed, his plans have changed, what we thought we were, you know, God was directing and things had, have, have evolved, adapted and stuff. And as I've thought about what parts of my story are even really relevant for you guys, I just thought about how, man, my story is so unique and it's the expression that what it's looked like for me to follow Christ is so um, unique. Um, and that there's, there's no reason for other people to expect for their lives to um, pan out like mine did specifically in a sense. And in another sense, um, the uniqueness of my life is completely universal. I mean, everybody's life is so characteristically distinct and um, the things that God has for us are all universally, uh, it's normal. Um, and so I, th- I was thinking, just on the drive up here, like trying to remember, like re- remembering that I'm supposed to do this. What, how do these things relate? Like between, like where's the connection points between uh, me both acknowledging that my story is not the same as y'all's story, and at the same time we all have the same story, and we're a part of each other's stories. And I, uh, I guess I just wanted to to acknowledge that. Um, if I'm thinking about my story, what has happened, I will say that the truth is there has been times when I have made the decision um, to follow Christ as Lord and to, to, to give everything I have to him. And there's other times when I haven't. <laughs> That's on a regular basis too. And that, um, man, I, I struggle so much with some of the stuff that seems radical and um, it may be impressive or whatever about my life a lot of those things are just kind of second nature for me and, and the stuff that seems mundane and, and, and normal uh, for a lot of people are very difficult for me. And so the Holy Spirit kind of just is a, a this leveling playing field that we all have. Because at, at the end of the day, man, there's no obedience to Jesus without abiding in Christ. There's no, um, there's no, uh, it's holiness is not a, just a bunch of boxes we check off. It's, it's a, it's a, relationship. And so we all start at ground zero every single day. We all have the opportunity to choose whether or not we're going to die to ourselves, whether or not our lives are going to be our own. And um, for me, um, with this house of prayer thing, it's just been a series of attempts from uh, on my end to follow what the Lord has for me. I will say that, um, I will say that uh, in, I will include in, in, in this story, in my own personal story, I accepted Christ when I was seven years old as my savior it wasn't until uh, I was seven, and it wasn't until about seven years later um, that somebody presented the gospel to me in a way that, that presented Christ as Lord. Um, loving Lord, but Lord, nonetheless, King, and that, 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 he, that Jesus Christ died not simply to save us from fire and brimstones after death, but from the hell of trying to be our own lords here on this earth, and that through the work of the cross, I had the opportunity, I who was actually kind of his enemy, by living my own life and not considering him at all, was totally working against his kingdom. I had been given the opportunity to lay my weapons down and swear allegiance to the one true king of kings. And when I did that, when Christ became Lord of my life, I entered into a loving relationship with my Lord and that changed everything. And after that point, Everything that I did was for God's glory. For whatever reason, by God's grace, I did not have uh, what is a typical um, kind of dualistic mindset where, you know, this is my 
work life and this is my religion and this is my politics and this is my recreation. For me, by God's grace, it was all sort of this single thing. And so everything I did was for God's glory. Um, and when I woke up in the morning, I would ask God, what shirt do I wear? And I felt like the Holy Spirit would lead me to pick out these clothes. And then I would do that. And when I brushed my teeth in the morning, the only reason I did that, because the only reason anything made sense at all was to try to bring God glory. And so I would ask God, please, if I have to brush my teeth, the only reason I'm doing this is let this give you glory in some capacity. Otherwise, it just seems pointless. Um, and at the end of the day, that's what, it, that's what I found in, in Christ as having Christ as my Lord was meaning and significance because without that, I'd already been given everything else in the world and, and, and did nothing really satisfied, but he did. So um, all to, the reason I'm saying that, because that's kind of standard, what's kind of unique about my story is that I actually, again, seven years later, had the rug really pulled out from underneath me um, through some uh, a traumatic, a, a, a seemingly not that traumatic experience that brought up a lot of uh, previous traumas. And I'm calling them traumas because it's just there's some kind of physiological phenomena that took place that um, it really, it, it does, these things can really bleed into our spirituality. I just, to be honest, like what happened effectively was that I lost a large, the majority of, of what I would say was my ability to feel a sense of connection to God. And that was everything for me. That's the joy of my salvation. I didn't care after I died if I went to heaven or if I just went to sleep. All I, all I knew is that I had a reason to live here on this earth. I had eternal life here and now. And by losing my, that sense, man, it was rough. And, and, I, and I never quit scratching and clawing and trying um, to, to connect with God. And he, and, he, and he was there, and I knew he was there, and I, he was moving through me. But man, I'm serious. It took, it was a period of seven years before I was able to get back up on my feet to like where I was at seven years prior. Um, it was five years before I kind of hit rock bottom. Another two years of kind of getting out of that and getting back on my feet and figuring out what the Lord had for me. So fast forward to, I'm, I'm doing well again in the Lord and it's 2020. The only way I know to explain um, what I felt like the Lord was telling me was and this is, a, this is such a weird way to present it to people, but this is the truth. I felt like God was, I had like a, one of these top 10 God experiences in my life. And I just felt like it was scary. And I felt like God was saying, Kyler, I'm giving you the green light to pursue me for a house of prayer in Vickery Meadow. And I thought that's okay. I don't know what that means. And there been a part of a house of prayer. I don't, I don't even, I, I don't know if that's going to actually happen or if just supposed to pray for it, if I would have any involvement with it, whatever. I don't know what that means, but I took it seriously. Um, and I fasted um, from breakfast and from lunch for the next three months. And very quickly into that fast, the Lord made it observably apparent that God was, that he was beginning to do something new in victory. I can explain that more, but I want to back up just a, a second and I'm, and I'm, I'm almost done, but I'll just say that, you know, in hindsight, when I look at that initial thing of God, of God saying, I'm giving you the green light to pursue me for a house of prayer, I, I know for certain my brain had no category for what he was even talking about. Um, and to this day, I'm not sure exactly what his plans are, or what he's going to do. But I, but at that, mo but prior to that, there was no, 
There was no brewing idea of a house of prayer. But what I suspect in hindsight now, looking back, is that maybe there, maybe there was some sort of longing in my heart that my mind didn't even have an image of. Um, that there was some kind of something in my soul or in my spirit was resonating with God's spirit, with His heartbeat, with His desires, and there was a degree of um, into you can call it intuition or discernment or whatever of something that was ne- was needed and would be good and righteous that I I didn't know that I was longing for it, but it was there. And and the reason I'm saying that is because I, I think that in this body. Um, in this room, there are probably longings that you aren't even in touch with. or and, and it's not out of a lack of maturity or a lack of introspection. It's because this is part of God's process of life in the kingdom. He gives us his heart. And this is why prayer is so important. This is where we learn his heartbeat. We understand what he longs for, especially praying with other people. You get to hear his heart. We get discipled through that process. But I just, I want to encourage you guys, um, especially as we, you know, continue with practices like prayer of examine and things like that. Um, not because you're not already doing these things, but because this, this is the norm. This is what I think is normal about my life or can be, um, in the kingdom of God is, is that when we, when we are connect, when we t- make time and space to connect with God, which is a discipline, it doesn't just happen. And part of the reason that I have done extreme things in my life is because it, everything is so hard for me. It's like if I don't go extreme, it doesn't happen at all. And so if we, if we are willing to set aside time and space um, to make sure that we are giving ourselves to God, giving our hearts, attentions, and our minds, affections to the Lord, and letting him speak, um, I suspect that within this body there are passions and dreams and callings, things that God has for you, given you that are truly yours um, in him and that, uh, that are to be worked out. And that's part of what it means for us to just, as a faith family, um, follow him together. So, yeah, fast forward, um, I do believe there's going to be some... Vickery Meadows is a really important place. Uh, there's, it's one of the highest concentrations of unreached people groups in the world. Um, there's people living in Vickery who don't have Bibles in their languages, etc. And I, but aside from all the ministry and aside from all that stuff, the number one thing that I'm understanding that the Lord is doing in Vickery is he is, in, by his grace, providing a space for, for his laborers, for his people, his children, to minister to him. And so that's really the big heart of Vickery. Uh, house of prayer is a place in time and space for people to connect with God. Uh, and so that's kind of the, the, the big gist of it. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted me to hit on, Jeremy, but. Well, yeah, so one of the cool things that's happened, so I, that, thank you, Jeremy. So I pursued this thing of house of prayer, and it started to happen. And, and we, we, I believe that the Cree house of prayer is it's not just a place, it's a people. It's a place in time and space, but there's also this component of just like Christ City. We're not, this This building's not a church. Obviously, we're leaving it. We are the church. Same thing with Vickery House of Prayer. It's a, it's a family of living stones. Well, our family has recently acquired a prayer house, which is a incredible thing. And I would definitely love for you guys to come check it out. I mean, hopefully you guys can come fast with us on Wednesday, break the fast with us on Wednesday. Um, but there's lots of rhythms. We've got a I think hopefully maybe by the end of this week we'll have a, 
a, a decent uh, website with uh, times and things like that. But please contact me if you want more information. I would love for you guys to get involved. I believe that this, I'm so grateful for this church. They've done, this church has meant so much to me and has been such an, an important part of this coming to be and it, it will continue to be the case. And I'm just, I wanna charge you guys um, to please um, pursue, um, pursue me with this, pursue, because uh, I, I, don't, I don't come after people for things and so I need, I need y'all's help. Please pursue me if you are interested in, in figuring out, helping me brainstorm with the Lord what it can look like for you guys to be able to participate and things like that. Because we have, I, I don't want, it's not fair for you guys for me to not share the stories of what's happening. It's not fair um, for y'all to not see what God's doing in Victory. It's a big deal and y'all are a part of it. And so, I, and I want y'all to be able to not only know what's going on, but have the opportunity to participate. Um, so, yeah. Any, yeah. Anything else? Yeah, if y'all have any questions, man, yeah. No Victory. So here's what we're, so we're going to do. Um, I just want us to take a few moments just to pray for Kyler. And so if you guys want, you can join me up here. We're just going to lay hands on Kyler uh, and pray for Kyler. Um, I know it's just a few of us, so like, let's not be too shy. Let's come Everybody. On come on up. Um, you know, it's funny. Like Kyler tells the story. And like, again, there's all, there's all kinds of different little pieces in between, right? So he said at the very beginning, like he thought when we first met that Nepal was going to be where the Lord had him. Um, um, and, and now the Lord has him in a place where there's all kinds of the nations and praying for him. But from day one, and, when I, and I say this and I really do mean it, like what hasn't changed about Kyler is he's been one who sought the Lord and been consistent in, in leading um, others into seeking the Lord in prayer. And so like it's no surprise at all like that this is what he's leading, like that the Lord had him do it, not just to pray, but to lead people in into prayer and to create a space uh, and a context for people to seek the Lord. And so, um, and so man, it's a, it really is an honor to have been a part of the story so far and exciting to see what, what more of the story there is. And so what we're going to do right now is if you just want to lay hands on him, um, um, and if you don't want to lay hands on that's fine. You can kind of, we're, we're Baptistic in history, so you can just kind of reach out. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, live, live from a distance there. Um, and I'm just going to open it up, pray as you feel led, and then in a few moments I'll close this out with prayer, okay? You know, again, it's it's it may seem a little strange that in our last day here we're 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 not recounting stories and all that kind of stuff, but I think that's kind of a testimony to who we want to be as a faith family, right? Like that this isn't the space um, that has all of our memories. Um, that there's more that we're a part of beside this space. We love this time. We love this place. Um, we love being together like this, but really the story of our faith family, the story that we long to be a part of happens outside of this context. It, it's in some ways, I think what we're after the psalmist or Isaiah says in, in kind of at the, the, the post-exilic prophet Isaiah. So like, if you know Isaiah, the book of Isaiah is kind of split up into two parts. There's the the, the people of God going into exile, all their kind of dreams kind of crushed as they as the presence of the Lord leaves God's people. 
But then on the second half of Isaiah is this promise of God's reclamation, like his coming again to be amongst his people, to raise his people up, um, to be who they were meant to be, truly meant to be, designed to be, created to be from the very beginning. And in this, this kind of second half of Isaiah, um, Isaiah um, says this, he says, God's message, guard my common good, do what's right and do it in the right way for salvation is just around the corner. My, my setting things right is about to go into action. How blessed are you who enter into these things, you men and women who embrace them, who keep Sabbath and don't defile it, who watch your step and don't do anything evil. In a lot of ways, I think that's kind of what we've tried to be as a faith family, right? to be ones who have set our mind on the common good, who long to, through Jesus, live his way, to follow him and live the way that he's called us to. For, salve, for we believe that salvation is just around the corner, that God is actively in our lives and the lives of those around us setting things right. That is a blessed thing to embrace such a vision of life, to keep Sabbath, to keep communion with God, a rest in God, a habit. It's why we've continued together. It's why we haven't said church doesn't involve something like this, but rather how together we might be the church and learn to Sabbath together, to have a day where we trust God and worship God so that we might, in step by step, not do anything evil, but walk fully into what he has for us each week. That's, that's what we've striven to be. That's what we've desired to be. But it's amazing in Isaiah 56, this comes from Isaiah 56, that this word is given not to the people of Israel, but to the outsiders, to those who weren't, who didn't grow up in the story of Israel by lineage, by heritage, by blood, but who, because of Israel's testimony, because of God's grace, in always telling a story more than just the people of Israel, that these would be a part of it. These outsiders, these foreigners, in, is what the, the prophet Isaiah uses. And in some ways, that's who we are, right? All of us, all of our stories to some extent. We all began our lives as foreigners and outsiders to the story that we're talking about, to God's story. I mean, not really. All of our stories are actually written back. When we look back, when we see God's story, we can look back and see how every turn in our story is a part of God's story. Even the hardest ones, even the darkest ones. We can see his presence with us, his continuation as we walk into and discover what is actually true. But in reality, the way it's felt in time, right, is that we're outside of the story. Then all of a sudden, something happens and we become a part of it. We're insiders. And this is what the, how Isaiah 56 ends. God speaking says, and for those outsiders who now follow me, you and I, those outsiders who now follow me, working for me, loving my name, and wanting to be my servants. I think that's Christ City. That's what I've observed over our nearly decade together. All who keep the Sabbath and don't defile it, holding fast to my covenant, to my relationship, to my commitment to you and your commitment to me. I'll bring them to my holy mountain. This is what God gives us. And give them joy in my house of prayer. They'll be welcome to worship the same as the insiders, to bring burnt offerings and sacrifices to my altar. Oh, yes. My house of worship will be known as a house of prayer for all people. The decree of the master God himself who gathers in outcasts of Israel. I'll gather others also, gather them in those who are all, with those who are already gathered. I think for us as we end our gathered time in this space, 
that's what we call it, right? We're super, super cool. I won't call it a service, we call it a gathering. Um, as we end our gather time in this space, as ones who are outsiders, but who have longed to be insiders, right? Who, because of Jesus, get to be insiders, because of his body broken for us. His blood poured out as a new covenant for our sake. We are now counted not as ones whose stories is something different, but whose story is his story. We are now counted as ones who are brought into his presence. Because what is prayer, really? Is it not communion with God? Is it not sitting at his feet and listening, admiring and contemplating his beauty and his counsel? Is it not crying out as children to the one who can save us and help us? Is it not seeking guidance from the one who is wise in the way in which we should walk? Is it not coming into his presence unashamed, coming into his presence, our sin covered, our sacrifices accepted, right? Not really our sacrifices, but the sacrifice of Jesus, his body, his blood. Isn't what we long to be as a people a house of prayer? A house, and not just a house where we get to commune with God, but as the prophet Isaiah says, what God envisions for us is not simply that we get to be ones who can commune with him, we're brought into his presence, but we get to be ones who invite others into that same presence, a house of prayer for all the nations, that we are invited in so that we might invite others in, that he might take the outcast and gather them together and then gather more with those who are gathered. Not that it's just that we have more people who come to a service, Right? but that we get to be a part of inviting people to meet God, not in just this space, not even primarily in this space, but in our lives. That our lives might be together a house of prayer. Wouldn't that be sweet if the Lord answered the thing that we're after, who gave us the desire of his heart as we're ones who have, by his grace, said we're gonna follow him that we love him, that we want to be his servants, submit to his lordship, who keep a Sabbath, who remember to gather together to set our minds, attentions, and hearts, affections upon him, all because of what Jesus has done for us. So as we end our time, I don't think there's any better way for us to end our time in this space than receiving the symbol of what draws us together, remembering tangibly, physically, and taste and touch the reality that Christ has brought us in and as insiders has called us to open ourselves to others. And so if you would, you can grab the communion elements in the chairs behind you. I'm gonna do the same because I forgot. Oh, thank you. And then I invite you to stand with me as together we confess what the author of Hebrews says is true and good and beautiful. And as we end our time at Mockingbird Community Church in this little space, proclaiming in song all that we believe to be true. And so you say with me, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession 
For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every aspect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace through the life of Jesus given for us, that we may receive mercy and find grace to live like him. In Jesus' name, amen.